This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the Chamber of Commerce takes aim at a constitutional amendment to raise the minimum wage. This is a voter turnout trick, and, and it really is insulting uh, for either party to use a valid amendment to try to sway an election. But that's exactly what I think has gone on here. And not just a trick. The chamber president claims Amendment 2 is downright un-American. Uh, but the thought that you know government's going to mandate pay and benefits, uh, it's un-American and it doesn't work uh, when we have global competition going on. Panhandle residents still recovering from Hurricane Sally are being warned to prepare for the arrival of a brand new storm. This one's called Beta. It should be there by the end of the week. The president is out of the hospital and back in the White House after treatment for COVID-19. You've seen the videos. Uh, and now the tweets, and you'll see him uh, shortly, you know, uh, he's, he's back, yeah. On today's Sunrise interview, we'll hear from Republican campaign consultant Anthony Pettacini about the impact of Donald Trump's illness on the campaign. If 2020 has taught all of us anything, it's that there's probably something else coming. <laughs> and, and, I mean... You are a you cheerful know. guy, aren't you? Well, no, I mean, I, I usually am very positive, but this has been this has been the year of years, biblically speaking. I'm waiting for the aliens. That's what I'm waiting for in this election. I'm waiting for the aliens to influence our election. While Trump was preparing to leave Walter Reed Medical Center, Joe Biden was in Miami visiting the Little Haiti Cultural Center. Because, folks, the Haitian community by itself, if the turnout was like it was last time, the Haitian community itself can determine the outcome of this election. No, I really mean it. Look at the numbers. It's real. We'll also have your calendar of events and check in with a Florida man who assaulted deputies with a Bible. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Tuesday, October 6th. It's National Mad Hatter Day, National Noodle Day, and National Plus Size Appreciation Day, which may be a consequence of all those noodles. Residents of northwest Florida who were flooded by Hurricane Sally less than three weeks ago face another rainmaker. Forecasters say Tropical Storm Delta will strengthen into a hurricane at some point today as it approaches the Gulf Coast, and the west end of the panhandle is in the cone. Tropical storm force winds could affect the state from Pensacola all the way to Tallahassee as soon as Thursday. Regardless of the exact path, the governor says storm surge, wind, and heavy rain are all possible by the end of the week. Joe Biden brings his presidential campaign to the Sunshine State. The former VP was the guest of honor last night at a town hall meeting moderated by Lester Holt of NBC Nightly News. But before that, Biden toured the Little Haiti Cultural Center in Miami. The character of the country is literally on the ballot. What kind of nation we're going to be, who we are, what we stand for, whether we'll continue to reach out or whether we'll continue to push people away like it's happening now. Whether we'll take care of those people who are, through no fault of their own, find themselves among those families of over 205,000 people have died from COVID without much help at all. We can do so much together, and we can set an example because this community is tight. Folks, millions of lives and livelihoods are on the line. It matters. Because, folks, the Haitian community by itself, if the turnout was like it was last time, the Haitian community itself can determine the outcome of this election. No, I really mean it. Look at the numbers. It's real. So not only do you have an opportunity 
I think you have an obligation to see to it you take care of the folks you care so much about. Because I promise you, I give you my word as a Biden, I'll be there. I'll stand with you. There's so much we can do. Think about this. The Haitian community here in Little Haiti grows and prospers. The whole of Miami-Dade prospers. Nobody loses. Everybody wins. It's all about addition, not like the administration talks about subtraction. It's all about addition. As I said, the fact is that 29 days to go to this election. 29 days. And by the way, everything the administration has done is try to put a lid on people voting. Everything. Making it sound like we can't determine our own outcomes. We can. The American people are showing up. They're voting in large numbers. It's already begun, as you all know. And quite frankly, if we win Florida, you've won. You flat won. So folks, look. The American people, Floridians, folks in Miami-Dade, they're looking to you. You can deliver an awful lot. You really can. But here's the commitment Jill and I make to you, and I mean it. If elected, we'll be back. Not the last you hear of me. Speaking of elections, nearly 600,000 Floridians have already mailed in their ballots. Democrats outnumber Republicans by about two to one in this tally, and there are almost five million mail ballots that have yet to be returned. Speaking of numbers, our death toll from COVID-19 continues to climb. On Monday, the state health department reported 41 additional fatalities and almost 1,500 new cases of the virus. The death toll has reached 14,886, and the number of infections in Florida is just under 718,000. Donald Trump left Walter Reed Hospital last night after being treated for COVID-19, and White House physician Sean Conley says he's fit for duty. You've seen the videos uh, and now the tweets, and you'll see him... He's, he's back, yeah. The president's an impatient man. Has he been itchy to get out of here? <laughs> um, the, the president has uh, been a phenomenal patient during his stay here. Um, and he's, he's been working uh, hand in glove with us and the team. He's holding court with, the, with those of us around him, the whole team, going over all the specifics, the testing, what the future is. Um, and uh, and we, we have been back and forth on what's safe and what's reasonable, and he has never once pushed us to do anything that was beyond uh, safe and reasonable practice. Before the president left the hospital, we had a chance to talk with GOP political consultant Anthony Pettacini to get his take on the state of the campaign. It's been pretty weird this year, and he's still waiting for another shoe to drop. But first, a word from the sponsors. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics, and we are much obliged. Predict It is like the stock market for all things politics. Instead of trading stock in companies, you're investing money into your opinions on everything from election results to how many times President Trump will tweet this week. It's easy and only costs a few bucks to get started. Our podcast listeners can get a special introductory offer by visiting predictit.org slash promo slash F-L-A-P-O-L. Try it today. Welcome back to Sunrise. Our guest today is Anthony Pettacini, the founder of a political consulting firm called Strategic Image Management. We talked with Anthony a few hours before the president left the hospital to get his take on what has turned into one of the most topsy-turvy campaigns in American history. And it's not over yet. Yeah, it definitely turns the entire thing on its head yet again. But um, if 2020 has taught all of us anything, 
it's that there's probably something else coming. <laughs> and, and I mean, you are a you cheerful know. guy, aren't you? Well, no, I mean, I, I, I usually am very positive, but this has been, this has been the year of years, biblically speaking. And, you know, from the president getting COVID, the, the October surprise being the president of the United States gets a life-threatening illness 30 days before he's elected, two weeks before RPG dies, and you have another appointment by this guy to the Supreme Court. Um, it just, it just, the things continue to pile on and pile on. I'm waiting for the aliens. That's what I'm waiting for in this election. I'm waiting for the aliens to influence our election. Well, that won't help because they're NPAs. That's right. So the president is sort of vulnerable on this because, you know, a lot of people don't think he was taking COVID very seriously, and, and now he does. Does he have to revamp himself? Does he have to relaunch himself? I mean, how does he, how does he get out of this? I, I, don't, I don't necessarily believe that people care whether the president took his own COVID illness seriously or not. I think the bigger deal in the, in the electoral context was, first and foremost, the leader of the free world has a life-threatening illness. Um, and that should put everybody on pause to say, oh, you know, when's the last time we lost a president? We, we, Reagan got shot and they transferred power and, you know, nobody knew who was in charge for about 30 minutes. I was, I was a wee boy. I was a wee lad back then. So I don't know. I, I don't remember exactly what happened. Well, but I remember Alexander that Haig some, was in charge, at least in his own mind. In his own mind. He did the press conference, right? Yep. So, so, I mean, that was the last time. So that's almost 40 years ago. So there's, a, there's, a, there's millions of Americans who don't, don't understand what it means to the rest of the world when the free leader of the world, the American president, uh, becomes incapacitated. And that's a scary time for every, everyone. And I would argue that in 2020, uh, all things considered, it's even scarier because the world is in, in, engulfed in a pandemic. We have terrorists who want to blow up things. We have rogue states. We have we have potential to be in, engulfed in war everywhere at any time. Forests are burning. It's like <laughs> it literally sounds like something written out of the Bible. And I think that was that's more electorally scary than whether or not the president takes his his COVID diagnosis seriously. I mean, in many levels, this is Donald Trump we're talking about, right? So, in Donald Trump's mind. Um, He's probably the most healthy, virulent, what's the word I'm looking for? Energetic. Um, energetic, lusty. strong, healthy. Yeah, he's, he's, he's Superman. And so in his mind, this thing isn't going to beat him. Um, but, you know, all of us have seen this thing take someone that we love or that we know uh, by this time. I mean, I know it has for me. It has happened to me. Um, my dad was sick. Uh, he, you know, that was a scary six days for us. Um, Pepe Diaz is, you know, he lost someone that, that I, that I had met when he, when we ran his campaigns, um, a family member. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just think the whole, everyone I think is ready for all of this to be over, whether it's COVID, whether it's forcing people to wear masks, whether it's who can be open and who can be closed. Can kids go to school? Can they not? I think, I think the uncertainty as a whole for the American people is, has been extremely exhausting. And this is just another uncertainty that no one was ready for. And I think that's probably the biggest electoral consequence. Now, Anthony, you did found strategic image management, and that's, that's basically your game. How do you manage this image? If you were advising the president, what would you tell him to be doing right now? Well, I think, I think the president's doing exactly what he should be doing. He's looking serious. He's in the hospital. Um, he's trying to work from the hospital to show the American people that it's not getting him down. Um, you know, there are a lot of people in this country, and, and um, 
sorry, let me back up. There's a lot of people in the country who believe that that they love the president's policies. They don't necessarily like the way the president goes about doing things. Well, for those people, that gives them a chance for the president to be on pause and not be on Twitter. So this could be a great thing for the campaign in that regard. Um, you know, I don't think it makes him look weak. I think it makes him look normal and relatable to anyone else who's had the disease. Um, I think the, the left has gone a little crazy when they start saying things like, why should we pray for a man's health who, who's done nothing to help all these other people who have been sick? And that's just, that's too far. I don't yeah. think the average American says, yeah, let's not pray, that, let's pray this guy dies. Um, I think that's, that has counterproductive to Joe Biden's plan, and I think that's why you saw Joe Biden pull his negative ads. Um, I think that was a, a, a proper reaction from a presidential candidate. We're, we're going to see in the next couple of weeks who, who was right and who was wrong. Our guest today on the Sunrise Interview has been Anthony Pettacini, the founder of Strategic Image Management. The Florida Chamber of Commerce goes all in to defeat Amendment 2, which would gradually increase the minimum wage in Florida by a dollar an hour until it tops out at 15 bucks an hour six years from now. They believe it's a job killer. Chamber President Mark Wilson says this is the wrong time for the amendment because the job market has been devastated by the COVID crisis. But he also believes there is no right time to raise the minimum wage because government has no business getting involved in wages paid by companies. We need people to have training wages. And so, you know, if you think about hundreds of thousands of training wages being gone for those 17, 18, 19, 20 year olds, they're just gone. You know, where are these people going to find job skills and where are local businesses going to find uh, that kind of talent? We're going to see a rapid acceleration to automation, which we're already seeing. This will just accelerate that. And uh, so, yeah, uh, crashing the system is, is probably uh, not the way that I would talk about it. But I think, you know, in a state where we have about 10 million workers, it's very, very important that we have training wages and entry level wages. And a lot of them, hundreds of thousands of them, uh, by, by all accounts, um, are going to be gone and are not going to come back. And when you add COVID on top of this, this is exactly the wrong time uh, to be doing this. The, the private sector should always, always define uh, what wages are. And Florida's minimum wage is already significantly higher uh, than the national minimum wage. And what we should be doing is we should continue to grow our economy. As I said earlier, if we were a country, we would be the 17th largest economy in the world. The Florida Chambers unveiled a plan over the next decade to become the 10th largest economy in the world. And that means we need to create between a million and a half and two million new jobs. And something else most people don't know is Florida has one of the more diversified economies in the country. I think right now we have the 16th or 17th most diverse economy in the United States. And that's creating a significant number of middle and high wage jobs. You know, we still have hundreds of thousands of open jobs in Florida right now. What we don't have are skilled workers to fill those jobs in the places where we need those jobs. And so if we're going to literally wipe off the map hundreds of thousands of training jobs, then how in the world are we ever going to get people ready uh, for this high-wage, high-skill platform uh, that Florida's in the middle of, of growing to? So, yeah, um, we've done a lot over the years. We'll continue to do more. Uh, but the thought that, you know, government's going to mandate pay and benefits, uh, it's un-American and it doesn't work uh, when we have global competition going on.
And to have a constitutional mandate that literally wipes those jobs off the Florida map, it just it doesn't make any sense. It's bad policy. State Representative Tommy Gregory, whose district includes parts of Manatee and Sarasota counties, also believes the amendment itself is a political trick played by Orlando attorney John Morgan to try to increase liberal turnout during a presidential election. I think there's absolutely zero chance that this is a coincidence. There's no chance that there's a coincidence that the largest trial bar firm in the country, uh, led by our very own uh, Floridian John Morgan, is sponsoring and paying for, to the tune of millions of dollars, for this ballot amendment to be on the ballot in a presidential election year. He's a well-known mega-million uh, dollar donor to the Democratic Party. So there's definitely not a, not a trick or not a coincidence here. This is all a trick. This is a voter turnout trick, and, and it really is insulting uh, for either party to use a ballot amendment to try to sway an election, but that's exactly what I think has gone on here. What they're doing is, is preying on uh, the good intention of voters. You know, Floridians, just like voters anywhere in this country, thankfully, right, we believe that people are inherently good, and, and they want to help their neighbors, but they should do so privately. When you put it on the ballot, uh, you know, what salary your neighbor should make or, or your friend down the street, people are naturally inclined to vote for that higher number. And, and it's really alarming. In 2004, that amendment passed by 71%. And we've been polling in the 60, you know, low to mid 60s on this one, but we really have to drive it down below 60% and see this amendment fail because the numbers tell the grim story. We have 750,000 Floridians out of work right now, unemployed, looking for jobs. And no matter how you phrase this in the constitution, if it becomes law, you're forcing a business owner who, for example, if they can afford $30 an hour in labor costs, if they're a small business owner, maybe they can hire three employees right now and have a small margin of profit. But if you double the minimum wage and then tie it to inflation, they can't even hire two workers because then they have no room for profit margin. So what you're going to do is increase the number of unemployed Floridians from 750,000. Before you know it, we'll have close to a million Floridians looking for it, at which point it won't matter how high you set the minimum wage because the jobs simply won't exist. So that's why I say, be careful what you wish for. I know in your heart, you might think how nice it would be for yourself or for your neighbor uh, to get paid more for the job that they're doing. But you have to remember that there's going to be a price to be paid and it's going to be much worse. Uh, the fact is that we will lose jobs. There will be more Floridians out of work and looking for work and they're going to be exactly the Floridians that can't afford to lose their jobs. So be careful what you wish for. Don't let, don't let this voter turnout trick hurt public policy in Florida and hurt your neighbors and hurt our businesses and stifle our economy at the time that we are trying so desperately to recover and we're on the right path. Don't let the trial attorneys trick you into passing this 
bad public policy into law. You'll hear more trash talk on Amendment 2 during the next few weeks. It takes 60% of the voters to approve a constitutional amendment. Prop 2 is polling in the low to mid-60s, so the chamber will be pulling out all the stops to try to knock those numbers down. The U.S. Supreme Court is refusing to hear an appeal from the owners of a Broward County nursing home that lost its license after a dozen residents died in the aftermath of Hurricane Irma. The storm knocked out the A.C. at the Rehabilitation Center at Hollywood, leading to sweltering conditions, 12 deaths, and a mass evacuation that drew national attention three years ago. Owners of the nursing home fought the license revocation in court, claiming its due process rights were violated. But they lost it every step along the way. And now that the Supreme Court has decided the case, the matter is finally settled. As is common, the court did not explain the reasons for rejecting the appeal. Also Monday, the Supreme Court indicated it will hear oral arguments in a long-running water war between Florida and Georgia, but it didn't say when. The court issued an order that says the dispute is set for oral arguments in due course. The case involves the Appalachicola-Chattahoochee-Flint River system, which stretches from North Georgia all the way down to Appalachicola Bay in Franklin County. Florida claims Georgia uses too much water and is destroying the Appalachicola Bay oyster industry. A special master appointed by the Supreme Court sided with Georgia in December, but the court has the final say. Today's calendar of events begins at 9 when Attorney General Ashley Moody hosts the 2020 Human Trafficking Summit. It's being held online because of the pandemic. Former University of Florida quarterback Tim Tebow is the keynote speaker. Also at 9, the Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission continues a series of online workshops about rules regarding the importation, breeding, and possession of invasive reptiles. The Public Service Commission meets at 9.30 to consider a 90-day moratorium on electricity disconnections because of the COVID-19 pandemic. They'll also consider a proposal from FP&L to speed up refunds of deposits to customers during the pandemic. The acting administrator of the Drug Enforcement Administration, Timothy Shea, will meet with the U.S. Attorney Lawrence Keefe, the Attorney General Ashley Moody, and other law enforcement officials in Tallahassee, and they hold a news conference at 10.30. The Association of Florida College Boards of Directors holds an online meeting at 2, and trustees from Florida Atlantic University meet online at 2. Finally today, a Florida man is accused of battery with a Bible. The Marion County Sheriff's Office says a man by the name of Robert Hoskins confronted three deputies and a trainee who were responding to a burglary call. The arrest report says he shouted, I commend you, before tossing a Bible at them. They did not turn the other cheek. They responded with a taser and then threw the book at him. Hoskins faces several charges, including burglary and battery on a law enforcement officer. That's it for this episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.